That's all. All right, let's uh, open up your Bibles. If you want to flip to Ephesians chapter 6, we will be there in just a moment. Today kicks off our fervent week of prayer. Annually, every year, we start the year, usually sometime in January, with a year, uh, excuse me, with a week focused in on prayer. Each day, today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, throughout the week, there will be different prayer focus, different prayer emphasis that will come through the website and through social media. Um, in the past, we've done different topics. Like today, we're going to focus on praying for families and marriages within the church. We're going to pray this day. We're going to pray for uh, our governments and government officials and that kind of stuff. Here, we're going to pray for missions and for those overseas and that kind of stuff. This year, we're going to do it a little differently, which is the reason why I had you turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This year, we're going to look at the armor of God. We're going to look at that belt of truth. We're going to look at that breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. We're going to look at all those different pieces uh, this week in just brief little blog posts, brief little uh, encouragement videos through the website. So uh, tune in and pray f- with us throughout this week. This is a great opportunity for us also um, for practices such as fasting. Uh, maybe that's not a normal practice in your life. I would encourage you. Uh, if you have questions about it, come see me. Come see Chris or Jeff or one of the other elders. Uh, and, and, and maybe this week would be a great time for you to um, practice the discipline of fasting for a day or so. Um, I have a couple of times in my mind this week that I'm going to be doing that, and, uh, and I would love for you to join me. And so um, it is always good for me to tell my flesh no. I mean, you know that. Like, we, as, as Americans, we're horrible at that. We have um, means. We don't ever have to tell her. We, you want a Starbucks? Go get a Starbucks. Like, I can drive through. I don't even have to leave the comfort of my warm vehicle. I'm not going to tell myself, no, it's not a big deal. It's only $16. <laughs> it's a Starbucks joke. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we don't tell ourselves no about a lot of things. And it's good to tell ourselves no, to tell our flesh no once in a while. And uh, to use that time and to use those resources and focus in on prayer and engaging the spirit of the living God. What a joy and privilege we have. But unfortunately, we don't take that much advantage of. Not nearly enough. So this week, fervent week of prayer. Spend time in prayer. Be intentional about it. With that, like I said, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6. And this morning, this is the passage on the armor of God. And I'm not going to speak Uh, that much about the actual specific pieces of armor. But what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about strength and weakness. What I want to talk about today is this battle that we find ourselves in and, and drawing strength from the God of heaven, the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything that we can see, drawing strength from our God this morning. So let's read together verse 10. Let's start there. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Just notice how many times it says stand, okay? Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So before we move on, before we look at this, let's pray together once again. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this word that we hold in our hands, that it is the absolute truth, that it is the absolute infallible word of you, word of God, that it is the only perfect thing in which we hold in our hands. And God, today, by the power of your Spirit, illuminate this text. By the power of your Spirit, transform our lives. Make us new again. And help us, God, to stand against the schemes of the evil one. Help us, God, to understand this battle we are in, that we might be able to stand for the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Verse 10 starts off and it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his... It, it's, as, um, it's as though Paul is closing out this letter, right? There's six chapters in the book of Ephesians. And so we've gone through, uh, we actually, a couple months ago, we looked at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We looked at some of the, the text in there. And so Paul is wrapping up this letter and he's saying, finally, brothers. And I always pay attention to the beginning of letters and to the end of letters. Because usually in the beginning, right, there's a premise that is set. You can see some of the things that we're going to focus on in this letter, some of the in, uh, correction or instruction or encouragement that Paul in particular is going to give to this church. And then usually he has some, like if I'm going to leave you with something, if I'm going to finish off this letter, finally this is what I want to tell you. And here he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. No one likes to be thought of as weak, right? No one. Particularly guys. There's something about us guys, like this macho, like manliness, that we need to like prove ourselves all the time. We don't like to be thought of as weak. It's so awesome to see in a little boy. Ever notice a little boy likes to show off his strength, look how strong. They like to pick things up like randomly to show you how strong they are. My kids, my, 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 my seven-year-old son in particular, loves to try to pick me up to show us how strong he is. Now, he can't do it yet. He oftentimes almost makes us both tumble. But there's something about us that we don't like to be seen as weak. And when you read our text today, did you notice where our strength comes from? If you're a Christian of any length of time, you know the Sunday school answer. The Sunday school, of course, our strength comes from the Lord. This encouragement here says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's because um, 
in this battle, when you look at the nature of this battle, there is nothing in our flesh that you and I bring to this battle. There is nothing of value, nothing of power that you and I, you and I in our own natural state, could ever bring to the battle that we are fighting. It's us understanding our enemy. It's us understanding the battle that we are in and understanding where the strength for this battle actually comes from. To be strong in the Lord means that you are in him and that he is in you. That is Holy Spirit and that his holy word has revealed the nature of God, the nature of sin, the nature of our state, and he has changed us and transformed us by that beautiful gospel. And in that produces faith, in that produces trust, in that produces a relationship where it was once severed, it was once broken, that the God of the universe was out of reach for us. But because of Jesus Christ, he has reconciled that relationship. He has reconciled us to himself by his work on the cross. And now there is this beautiful relationship that we have. And thus, there is strength is made possible by Jesus and his glorious work on the cross. That's why it's likened to marriage, right? The relationship that we're supposed to have with God, Christ Jesus, is likened to a husband and a wife, how they are one flesh, so unified together that they are one. Ephesians chapter 5, just one chapter earlier from our text this morning. The encouragement is, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. That relationship right there is the, uh, the closeness of unity that we're supposed to have. So when we are in him and he is in us, there we see the strength and the might of our God. The nearness of heart and soul, just as a husband of a wife, that's the relationship that we have because it's his might and not ours. It's his power and not our own. Over and over in Scripture, it talks about God being our strength and our help. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. It's how we're able to stand in a year like 2020 when everything is shaken, when everything, when the earth is giving away all around us, we can stand because God is our refuge and strength. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with righteous right hand, with my righteous right hand. Psalm chapter 73, verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. One of the most used metaphors for us, God's people, for us as the church of God, are sheep. Right, which thus means that he is our good shepherd, as it says in John chapter 10. If you know anything about sheep, which, you know, and if you've been in church any length of time, uh, you've heard this metaphor used over and over. Sheep are not particularly strong creatures, are they? They're pretty weak creatures. They're actually quite fluffy. 
maybe much like me today. They're not particularly strong creatures. It's not like a lion who's brave and courageous and strong. It's not like an ox, right? You probably hear, that guy's strong as an ox. But sheep are weak and dumb, by the way. (laughs) They wander when they're not led properly. They fall into pits and ravines. They, they, They can't defend themselves by themselves. So to be safe, they must stay close to the shepherd. Likewise, for you and me, to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, we must stay close to our shepherd. My kids are still of the age where um, it's, it's, I love it. It, it. When we're in a crowded room or when we're, we're in a situation where uh, things are busy or like you go to a crowded mall, which you haven't been to a crowded mall in quite some time, but uh, when you're we're in a situation like that, I, I, my kids are still of the age where they'll reach out and they'll grab my hand. They won't say a word, but you can tell like they're a little nervous or overwhelmed by the situation, so they'll grab onto my hand, and I love it. I love that they still do that, that they will grab hold, and I don't love that maybe they're nervous, or I don't love that maybe they're afraid, but I love that they know that dad is with them and that dad is stronger and that dad will put his life on the line for them. It's the same thing for you and me. To be strong in the Lord, man, we have to stay near and reach out our hand, take him by the hand because he is stronger, and he will put his very life, he has laid down his very life for you. Our text today tells us to be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might, to stand so that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy. How many of you know that we have an adversary? We have an enemy of our soul who, who walks around like a, like a lying seek, lion seeking who he may devour. He seeks to kill and steal and destroy, and he has a craftiness about him. Way back in the garden, right, he was the crafty serpent who twisted the words of God. Did God really say, and he still has the same schemes today, he still has the same craftiness today. The Greek word that's used for schemes there is, is um, the word that we get for methods. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what context or culture you are in. If you're here in America or if you're in Europe or in Africa or some uh, indigenous tribe in South America, the enemy of our souls is crafty and has a method specifically for you. In order for us to stand... In order for us to stand firm against the schemes, we must draw from the strength of our God. In order for us to put on the armor of God, we must be diligent in praying at all times and praying by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, our our verses today, um, at the backside of the armor of God, right here, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation... The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Right? The instruction there is praying at all times in the Spirit. How do we stay close? How do we stay close to our God, our Father? By prayer. 
by engaging the spirit of the living God, by understanding that we are not just natural, physical beings, but because of the work of Jesus, we are to engage the spirit of God by prayer. We are strengthened in his might by praying in the spirit. We put on the spiritual armor of God by engaging our God in prayer, and he graciously and faithfully equips us for the battle. He gives us the armor. He equips us with the armor when we engage him in prayer in the spirit. See, we are weak, and that's okay. There's a real freedom in understanding that. There's a real freedom in admitting your weakness. You know, having to muster up the strength for anything is exhausting. Having to muster up the strength to make it through another day is exhausting. Having to muster up the strength to get out of bed and go to the gym is exhausting in itself. How are those New Year's resolutions going, right? 24 days into this thing? Are the gyms empty again? Were they ever full with COVID? I don't know. Paul, in fact, rejoices in his weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, he's actually speaking of the foolishness of boasting, like the foolishness that it would be to boast in anything but the Lord. In verse 30, he says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And if you keep reading through 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, as he's speaking about that thorn in his flesh, he's, uh, verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For what? My power, God's power, his strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that, so that what? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's freedom in admitting your weakness. At church, we're horrible at it. Right? We, we always talk about how there's that mask. Not, not this mask. There's those masks that we wear when we walk into church, making it look like we've got it all together. Everything's cool. My marriage is cool. My family's cool. My kids aren't a mess. They're all cool. Sit up straight and act cool. <laughs> like, we got it all together. We're strong. We're handling life just fine, just dandy. We got this thing. There's freedom and finally just going, you know what? I ain't got this thing. I ain't got this thing because we're talking about a completely different realm than the physical realm. Like our battle is not in the flesh and blood, but our battle is against principalities and powers of darkness and evil in the spiritual realm. And it manifests itself in my daily living. These schemes of the enemy show up in, like, I read something by uh, a pastor his last year sometime, uh, around the idea of prayer. And like most of our prayers are thwarted by that crafty enemy before they even begin. Like our busyness, our distraction, like just causes us not to pray. And so the enemy already wins. Like there's, there's stats and studies out there about the amount of time that Christians, evangelical Christians, actually spend in Bible and prayer. And it's It's appalling. We say that we're spiritual creatures, but yet we don't engage the Spirit of God in the means that he has given us in prayer. Like, it is appalling the amount of time that evangelical Christians actually spend in prayer. 
Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Means that we have to engage, as it says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. If we're going to don the armor of God, those are spiritual things that God is doing in our hearts. Of course, there's not an actual physical piece of armor that we put on, but those are spiritual things that God is bestowing on us, giving to us, revealing to us by his word and by his spirit. We must engage the spirit of God in prayer because the battle that we are fighting is not of this world. You know, you've heard it said before, man, if you're going to battle anything, if you're going to go into a battle, you've got to know your enemy. You've got to know the enemy that you're facing. You've got to know the battle that you're fighting. There's so many times, I think if 2020 has showed us anything, like the church in general, at least the church in America, like it's really easy to get off our mark. It's really easy to forget what our battle is, to, to, to forget what our rally point actually is. We've talked about this a couple of times over the last couple of months. We forget what our battle is. Our battle isn't politics. Our fight is not politics. Our fight is not some political ideology. Thus, our battle is not your annoying cousin who's on the opposite aisle that you are on. Our fight is not, your fight is not your ex. Your fight is not um, your annoying core worker. That your fight is not the heathens in Vegas or the heathens in Portland or the heathens in Washington. Our fight and our battle is not people. Battle are, are, people are the mission field. Our battle is in the spiritual realm with an enemy of our souls who fights and schemes for the destruction of people. Do you realize the severity and the seriousness of the battle that we're in? Like, a lot of us, we, like, we just kind of, it's like oblivious. Like, we're just oblivious. We just roll through this life. Like, ah, da, 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 everything's cool. There's this spiritual battle that we're in with grave, like, grave eternal consequences. It's a matter of life and death, but eternal life and death. We've got to understand this battle. We've got to understand this enemy. And understand that it's not just like this battle manifests itself, yes, in our physical lives, but it's so deeply, deeply spiritual. And the amount of time that we actually engage with the Spirit of God through His Word and through prayer, it's no matter, it's, it's no wonder that we, oftentimes we feel so inadequate and weak. We're not girding ourselves with the belt of truth. We're not girding ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness because we're not actually spending time engaging the Spirit through His Word and in prayer. See, the battle is between two kingdoms. One kingdom belongs to Christ, the kingdom of God, which Christ is the King. And it's not a kingdom of a sword or physical might. Makes me think of John chapter 18 when Jesus is actually answering Pilate. And he's standing before Pilate, and he says, Jesus, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, physically fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And thanks be to God, he's so faithful to his sta- establish his kingdom and his, his reign, his authority in the hearts and lives of his redeemed, his church. It's that already not yet aspect of the kingdom of God, right? Where he comes and establishes it in the hearts of his people, but, but yet it will be culminated when he finally returns to, to, 
call his church home. It's a kingdom of love and service, of sacrifice and preferring others so that Christ is glorified. And then there's this kingdom of this world where the enemy of our souls, the evil one, is called the God of this age in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 2, he's described as the prince of the power of the air. And as you read our text again today, this battle that we face is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness. It's against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. When I read that description, it sounds strong and scary. And you read that, like, like, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, but I remember talking about spiritual warfare as a kid growing up and it terrifying me, like you know, demons and like, you know, like demon, there's a demon around every corner, every bush, you know, right? And you're like prayer warriors going forth, right? And this spiritual warfare kind of thing. I remember being so freaked out and scared by it and thinking, man, those Christians are weird. They're weird, like that they would talk that way. And like the older I've gotten, and the more I've dug into God's word going, you know, maybe they're not so weird. Like, there truly is a spiritual battle out there that manifests itself in such natural ways, but there is a lot of evil behind it. I remember my mom using uh, words like uh, uh, being worldly. Like, oh, but those people are so worldly. You ever, like, grow up and, and you hear those words like, boy, they're worldly. And usually it was, like, people that went to movies or people, you know, played cards or, like, hung out at bowling alleys. Anybody grow up in those kind of traditions where it was, like, those are worldly people? Like, how, you can't go to the skate night, the roller skating night. This is, this is how old I am. This, is, this was the thing. You kids are, like, roller skating? What is that? It was, like, kind of like roller. And I can't even say rollerblading because the rollerblading is not even cool anymore, is it? No, okay. Like, that was worldly. You go to those places, that was worldly. But then I look at the church in America and how much reliance there is on flesh, how much reliance there is on methods and, and, and um, programs, and, and how there's no engagement in prayer in the Spirit of God, how there's no engagement in the Word of God in meditating on it and pouring yourself over some scriptures allowing the Spirit of God to, to massage that and press that into my life. There's no uh, tarrying and waiting upon the Lord where He's going to renew my strength, that He's going to pour His Spirit out on me, fill me, gift me. But no, like, I'm not going to do that. It's too weird. It takes, it, 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 I, I sit there for a while and I'm, I'm distracted and I don't feel anything, so I don't engage in this Spirit. How horrible. The God of the universe, the one who called me in Christ Jesus, the one who redeems me by his blood is faithful. He is faithful. And sometimes, yes, I need to discipline my flesh a little bit and sit down, put my freaking phone away, not be distracted by it, sit there with my scriptures on my lap and allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to me. Just to speak to me because you know what? There's a battle happening for my very soul, for my very soul, where there is this cosmic power, this, this evil one who seeks to destroy me and seeks to undermine and destroy the mission of the church. If we don't pray, 
we will lose. If we don't spend time engaging the Spirit of God with the Word of God and allowing the Spirit to speak to us and massage it into our lives, we will lose the battle. We must be diligent in prayer because this battle we fight is a spiritual battle. So we must engage the Spirit of God praying at all times in the Spirit. There's a football game happening in a couple hours. And the Packers have home field advantage. Right? That's a thing. Bring those Tampa Bay, sunny Florida weather people up here to the frozen tundra. Thank God for snow. Got home field advantage. Right? Get them on our turf. I'm looking at our text this week and I'm going, man, like, that's spiritual realm. It doesn't feel like home field advantage sometimes. But it is. It is. Do you understand this? Like, I think, of, like, I love nature shows too. And like, you see, like the battle, like a battle between like a crocodile and like a jaguar, right? And that battle is often turned by like, if the jaguar can get that thing on land and all of a sudden now advantage to the jaguar, like that croc gets him in the water, forget it. It's all over for that guy. Like he's getting drowned. He's done. But like for us, like we're so worldly. I am so worldly. Like it feels feels weird to engage in the spirit in that way, to battle in the spiritual realm that way. But really like we've been made for this, we've been remade for this battle. Do you get that? When Jesus Christ redeemed you, when Jesus Christ called you, when he saved you by his blood, in John 3, when it says you must be born again, that flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit, we've been made new for this battle. So engage the spirit of God in prayer. This world is not our home, as Nate shared with us this morning. John chapter 15, verse 9, excuse me, 15, verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's big. That's, that's a huge statement. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is what? It's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of of God abides forever. Thank you, Jesus. We've been remade for this battle. We've been transformed for this battle. We've been redeemed and saved and ransomed for this battle. You see, those that are the mission field, those that are, that are lost, those that are blind, those that are still dead in their transgressions, those that are still enslaved to sin, they are in a losing battle. Without the Spirit of God in their lives making them new, they will unfortunately lose the battle. But we who are in Christ Jesus... 
are victorious because of Jesus. See, when Christ saves you, when he made you new, when he made you born again, this time not of flesh, but of spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. How, uh, how much of a, of a tragedy is it if we do not be faithful in prayer and engaging the Spirit of God, the one who called us to himself? But we've been made for this. Greater is he that is in us, beloved Christian, than he that is in the world, as it says in 1 John 4. And so in order for us to stand against the schemes, those many methods of the evil one, in order for us to stand, we must have the strength and the might of our God. And we do this all by verse 18, by praying at all times in the Spirit. See, we put on that armor Every time we get in that prayer closet, put that armor on, get suited up and ready for the battle every time we get in that prayer closet. As we wrap up today, as Nate comes, this week, set aside time for prayer. I'm not sure what your prayer life looks like. I'm not sure what your, your regiment of prayer looks like, but this week, up it. Maybe if you don't practice, you know, some of the disciplines like, like fasting or, or other things like that, like maybe this week you, you give it a go. Maybe you need some help and encouragement, maybe you need some accountability. Come talk to me, man. I'll be a, I'll be a prayer partner with you this week. Find a buddy in this room. Find, find your uh, community group leader. Ask them to be some accountability for you this week. But this week, let's engage in the battle. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the God of the universe, to arm you, to, to give you that armor this week that you can stand strong. But maybe this morning we need to start with just simply confessing our weakness, confessing our shortcomings. Maybe we need to just sit this week, uh, we start this week today by, by repenting of our laziness and our lack of engagement. Maybe that's where we need to start today. And so as Nate starts to play, I'm just going to have him play just for a few minutes, and I just want us to sit and do some business with God. Wherever you're at, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, respond to that. If it's repentance, if it's if it, whatever, whatever it might be, maybe God's putting somebody on your heart that you need to intercede for right now. Maybe they're in this room and you want to intercede for them. Do it. Let's just do a few minutes of business with God, and then Nate's going to sing, and we're going to stand, we're going to rejoice together, and then when we leave this place, this week, let's engage in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I thank you that we have everything we need in you. That by your word and by your spirit, we have everything we need. Just like we studied in 2 Peter chapter 1. That you have granted to us all things that pertain to and to godliness, to life, this life, living this life in the spirit realm, godly lives. God, you've given us all things. So God, today, we reach out just like a kid. We take you by the hand. We nestle in close. Let us be strong in you. Not strong in ourselves, but strong in you and in your might. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do some business with God.